Well, good morning, GT Church. Can we stand as we get into worship today?
about his goodness this morning.
today.
say thank you this morning. You were always there in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the water. You have never left us and you'll never leave us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but there's nothing you can do that can separate you from his love, his grace and his mercy. So hold on to that truth this morning. Hold on to that church. God, would you bless this time? God, would you open up our hearts to receive from you, God? Open up our ears. God, would you lay your word in our heart? Let us hold on to your truth this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you shout amen, church? Man, it's so great to be here with you all. Would you turn to somebody, wave them as you take your seat today? Amen. How many enjoyed the worship today? Come on. We need to remember that we are not alone. Amen. Uh, in a day where we're wearing masks and we're quarantined and you got to stay six feet apart and you can't get too close, uh, we got to remember that God, how many know, aren't you glad God lives within us? You know, the thought is God's never six feet from us. You say, man, he's up in heaven. He is, but he lives inside of us. Amen. So thank God for that. Man, what a great time of worship. Uh, we're going to pray. We're going to go into the word. Uh, and I know Dan's prayed. We've worshiped. But let's just go to God one more time. God, we come to you right now. and We thank you, God. We do that we can worship you and glorify you, God. It's been a weekend of, of giving thanks and offering our gratitude because you are God. We are your people, God. We belong to you. Not only that, God, but we don't have to be distanced from you, God. That's our choice, Lord, if we are, because you live inside of us, oh God, and we're grateful. And so God, today I pray as we wrap up this series, Do Unto Others, that you would just speak to us. God, every time we open your word, God, we hear your voice. And I pray that all of us today would hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that we would be spoken to by the word of God, that you would help us, God, today. We, we love you, God, and we praise you today. We thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you will do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Awesome. Well, uh, it is good to uh, be together, and uh, thank you for being here. I know there's been kind of this uptick, and I'll just talk to you as a pastor for a second about the whole COVID deal. You know, we really prayed about it this week. You know, I know schools are going virtual, and you know, should we just take a week off? Should we not meet? But I feel like, you know, we've got good protocols. We're using wisdom. How many know, like the first week, I'll never forget, March 15th, we're not walking in fear. How many know that? All right? About eight of us do. I'm going to ask again. How many know we're not walking in fear? All right? We're walking in faith. But walking in faith doesn't mean you're stupid. How many know that? Say amen to that. All right? You got to use wisdom. And so we felt like, you know, I know there's uh, some new protocols happening in the state, but I felt like we're socially distancing. We're doing what we need to do. And so uh, we're grateful. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, Hubbard is in Kutztown today under the tent. Uh, so we uh, thank God for that. And uh, if you're joining us online, boy, we welcome you. Uh, you know, I, we often say we're one church in two locations. Well, guess what? Uh, I think more in COVID, we realize we're one church in many locations. Uh, I'll never forget, for years, we had a group of people in Perth, Australia, that would tune in every week to GT Church in West Lawn. And I think, man, we live in a small world. People say, well, it's such a small world. How many know it really is, right? 
And so, uh, but we're grateful today that we're not alone. So we've been in a teaching, obviously, and many of you know that. Uh, it's been called Do Unto Others. And so grab your Bible, however you use it, but I certainly hope you do. Don't just rely on the screens, your phone, your iPad, whatever it is. How many, man, if you got a leather bound and you got it with you, raise it up. All right, all right. So uh, let's look to the Word today, uh, and we're just so grateful for that. You know, the last couple of weeks, as I, I'm wrapping up the series today, Do Unto Others, a lot of the preaching that I had done, and uh, Scott used it as a text, was Romans 12. And as I was really praying about this, I thought, you know, we're going to get back closer to the text that really kicked off the whole series, which is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And it's a powerful thought. People that don't even know God know Matthew 7, 12. It's called the golden, the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, as we think about that, there's one little, there's an extra part to that verse. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the essence of all the law and all the prophets. So when you think about, you take the entire Old Testament, all right, from Genesis to Malachi, all the Pentateuch, all the law that he speaks to Israel, all the major prophets, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all the minor prophets, Habakkuk, Nahum, all of that, all the law and the prophets, the essence of all of that is summed up in this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, don't you like it when things just get made simple? I, I love that. I mean, you get a new product and you think, you know, it says, please read the instruction manual before you ever use it. How many do that? You do? Wow, that's powerful. I, sometime when this pandemic's over, we got to talk because I never do that. You, you don't do it either? Come on, we're together, man. Here we go. Uh, you know, that's probably most guys. Most guys are like, ah, I know it. I know where I'm going. I don't know GPS. It's just up here you make a left and we'll be lost and I know it. But when you look at that verse, Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said the essence of all the law and all the prophets is wrapped up in that thought. That if you'll just simply treat other people the way you want to be treated, you're going to, you know what, you say, well, I don't got a lot of scriptures memorized. I don't got a lot of, you know, I'm new to the faith. I want to tell you, if you just start treating other people the way you'd like to be treated, you're, you got a good head start on Christianity. Are you with me? So we're going to talk about that today. And I, I can tell you personally, I, I want to be aware of God's grace in my life every day. My, the title of my message today is Give Grace. We've talked about give love, give honor, give kindness, give hope. But today I want to talk about give grace. And you think, well, I, I thought grace is something we receive. I, I don't think about it as something we should give. And I want to say, personally, on a daily basis, there's hardly a day that goes by that you don't think about God's grace. At our Thanksgiving, you know, that when we write down the verses and we think about what we're grateful for, where would we be today, GT, if it were not for grace? Where would you, sitting at home, where would you be if it weren't for the grace of God? But not only do we need to be aware of receiving grace, but as believers, we need to be aware of what it means to give grace. How many know sometimes it's easier to receive it than to give it? 
All right, so that's what we're going to talk about. In fact, I have two questions. There's two questions I want to answer today in the message, and here's what they are. Number one, what does it look like when we don't give grace? What does it look like when we go for revenge or a lack of forgiveness or I'm going to get even? Uh, you, know, you know I'm a bumper sticker. I like to read the bumper stickers. I don't want them all over my car, but I do enjoy reading them. You know, the one bumper sticker I've seen so many years, I don't get mad. You're not going to get me mad because I get even. The one I think I've shared this before, it says, you just keep honking, I'm reloading. And I'm like, wow, there we go, hello. And I'll let, today in today's world, you gotta be mindful of that. You better give the Christian beat like, beep, beep, hey, it's green, beep, beep. You don't wanna lay on it, the guy's reloading. How many know what I'm talking about? Those are instructions you better read, right? We better keep an eye on that. So what does it look like when we don't give grace? What's our attitude like? What's our heart like? Secondly, What's it like when we do? When you do give grace, when you do allow someone to say, yeah, hey, I get it, it's all right, don't worry about it. So those are the two questions that I'm really gonna answer today. So just before the golden rule, we read in Matthew 7, and that is where I'd like you to turn with me, Matthew 7, I'm gonna read verses one through five. And to me, this captures a lot of the essence of how you treat other people. When he says the essence of all the law and all the prophets is that you just treat people the way you want to be treated, he says, well, here's, here's just a little insight of how you do that. So Matthew 7, begin reading in verse number 1, and here's the words of Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Treat someone that way, that's how you'll be treated. Verse 2, you will be treated as you treat others. Now think about that. I remember years ago, we did a series on marriage, and we said, instead of trying to go out there and find the right person to marry, why don't you work on becoming the person you're trying to find? Are you with me, church? He said, you're gonna be treated the way you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. You know, it's interesting when you think about that, that's where you think, man, I need to be gracious with people because I wanna receive grace. You can't give something you've never received. And once you've received grace, you understand it and you say, listen, I know what I am before God. I know what everyone is before God. Even the guy that's reloading, even the guy that doesn't get mad and he's gonna get even. You know what he needs? He needs the same thing I need. He needs grace. Look at verse three, Jesus explains it further. He said, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? It's like, yeah, pick up the phone, think about it. I see that little problem in your life. Why, why do you let that happen in your life? You could just say, why do you got that big problem in your life? We're trying to look at the speck or the problem or the concern we have about another individual and Jesus says, you've got a log in your own. You're trying to look at that splinter when you got 84 lumber in your eye. That's the Brian Cuck translation. Don't look it up. It's not there. You're saying 84 lumber. What's 84 lumber? Ask your mom or dad. They'll tell you. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Then he says this word, hypocrite. You look that word up in the Blue Letter Bible, that's a tool I use. I don't know Greek and Hebrew, but when you, you've studied it, when you hit that Greek word for hypocrite, it's Hippocrates. 
It sounds almost like the word hypocrite. But you know what it means? You know what the definition of a hypocrite is? It's a pretender. It's an actor. And so when you're not a person that gives grace, when you're not a person that is is patient with people and you offer grace the way you received it, the Bible says you're not really, in that moment, you're not being a Christian, you're being an actor. You may have the bumper sticker that you're a Christian, honk if you love Jesus, but if you judge others, he said you're being a pretender, you're being an actor. That's the words of Jesus. Don't email me, don't even email Kramer. That's Jesus' word. First, here's what he says, now he gives you the walk away. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And I thought, man, what a great reminder from God today of how we need to give grace. We need to give grace, and rather than working on other people and figuring out their life, how many know we got enough in our life to figure out with God's help? I'm telling you right now, That'll help your marriage. That'll help your kids. That'll help you with a coworker. That'll help you live life. That'll help you with anybody you meet. I believe this passage speaks as a great reminder to us about that way. So the bottom line is this. Here's my bottom line today. Give others the grace in those moments you'd like to receive grace. Now listen, we've all We've all had embarrassing moments. Raise your hand, both here at West Lawn, at home. Just how many have had an embarrassing moment? Man, some of you haven't. That's awesome. You ought to thank God you've never had an embarrassing moment. I'll tell you what, I've had some embarrassing moments. I'll share a couple of mine with you. Um, You know, as an amputee, they used to tell me like, hey, Brian, just this is, you know, part of the rehab, whatever. When you're an amputee, you tend to fall more. All right, let me jot that down so I don't forget. Yeah, all right. Well, it happens, yeah. You think the leg is, you know, bending and it doesn't quite bend and it goes and, and you fall. And I've, I've had that happen. Now, how many have ever fallen? Usually when you fall, you're embarrassed. You, you say, okay, who cares if I broke my neck? I'm just embarrassed. You're not even worried about if you're hurt or bruised. I'm, come on, are you with me? You're more worried about what people think of you falling than if you broke your neck or your arm. And I get it. I was there too. So I've fallen. I mean, here at the office, I've done it. I come back from the copier. I'm just going, I'm just, you know, not having my cane, just thinking, boom, right down. And people are very gracious. Oh man, Brian, are you all right? Are are you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm good. I'm just going up off this ground. I'm going to be better once I'm standing back on my one leg. All right. We've all had moments like that. I, we, we were talking, Molly Lee shared a story with me. I was just telling, we were meeting as a team and praying and, uh, I, I said, her most embarrassing moment, she said, well, sawdust at school. Now you're saying, sawdust at school? I, you know, I, and I shared a story that I remember, I forget what grade I was in, maybe fifth grade. It's around this time of year, no COVID, but the flu and all kinds of problems. And this kid right next to me, all of a sudden puts his head down. His dad, I mean, the teacher's teaching, he puts his head down right on his math book and he's there like that. And I'm just thinking, well, he doesn't, something going on. He's not sleeping, he didn't feel good. Well, it was more than that. Pretty soon, here it comes. I jump up out of my chair, and the teacher said, Brian, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, but whatever he's doing, I'm trying to get a little farther from it. So when they have sawdust at school, just in the Greek language, it means they heaved, and now they're covering up with sawdust. How many remember that? Just, I know you're laughing under your mask, I can tell. It's embarrassing. You're sick, you're hurt, you've fallen. But how many know you're embarrassed sometimes by the way you act? by the way you respond, 
by the attitude or the bad attitude that you've had. There are times in our life when we just react the wrong way and we need to be given grace. And how many have ever remember a time when you, obviously you got mad, you lost your cool, you reacted the wrong way and someone gave you just like a graceful response. How many remember something like that? It's amazing. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 15 that a gentle answer deflects anger. When someone comes at you hard and you just say, you know, I, I, listen, I've had people driving different things you know, I, I remember a time I was in the car and you know how in the turning lane, that lane's back a little farther so the coming lane can go over. And, and I'll just tell you, uh, I was like maybe an inch, not far, because I know if I get too far, it's gonna be harder for them to turn. I'm like an inch over that line and a guy drove by me and he waved. How many know that special wave? I'm a pastor, the special wave. Are you with me? I'm like, what in the world? You gave me that special wave because my... Bumpers over an inch. And a lot of times you want to get the special wave back, but you know what? You know what I often do when I get the special wave? I just say, hey, hi. Oh, hey, like I did, like, you know. A gentle answer deflects anger. The Bible has a lot to say about grace, okay? And we need to use that in not only something we receive from God, it's something we need to give to other people. And so I'm gonna answer that first question. What does it look like when we don't do that? What does it look like when you're living your life and you never give grace? You receive it, you wanna be a Christian, you wanna be forgiven, but I'm not gonna forgive. You wanna receive compassion, but I'm not gonna give it. You know what I call that? You're being a grace killer. So my first thought is, what it looks like, we don't want to be grace killers. Are you with me? If you're taking notes in the app, you can follow along. Number one, you say, well, what does a grace killer look like? Well, a grace killer is someone that judges the sins of others, but they're just not the ones they commit. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, none of us are righteous, not one. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, we all need God's grace, we all need God's forgiveness, but grace killers, what they do, we don't all commit all the sins there are, there's just certain areas, so what we tend to do as a grace killer, we judge others who are committing different sins than we commit, are you with me? Jesus said, don't judge, because if you do, you're gonna be judged. There's a tendency, you know, for us to be very, Specific when we judge other people, when we condemn them, when we refuse to give them grace. In fact, we make our own list of unpardonable sins. The Bible talks about there's only one sin that's unpardonable. That's when you grieve the Holy Ghost. Not just grieve, that's when you sin against the Holy Spirit and you don't believe. We all at times grieve the Holy Spirit. When you and I sin and we do things that are wrong, and we re- that grieves God. But the unpardonable sin is when you sin against the Holy Spirit. But we make our own little separate list to say, well, I can't believe you do that. Can you believe they do that? Well, they probably couldn't believe what you do. We're all sinners. Are you with me, church? We all know what that feels like. I mean, I'm gonna ask. I know I'm doing a lot of survey today at home, wherever you are. How many have ever had a kidney stone? All right. Marge, I know you recently had one. I did too, you know, and I found out years ago, I got four or five of them. And there's always usually something that's causing that. And you know when I found out, I finally got to retrieve one of my stones. You know what it was for Brian Cuck? It was raw spinach. I was like, what? 
I'm eating good stuff to try to whatever, and now that's giving me kidney stones? So now, man, I just do chocolate pie, Pop-Tarts. I got off of spinach. You know what I mean? That creates other problems. That gives you Dunlap disease. You know what Dunlap disease is? Now, because I'm eating Pop-Tarts, chocolate pie, and all that stuff, I have Dunlap disease. That means my belly Dunlapped over my belt. Kidney stones are Dunlap disease. Which do you want? But I want to tell you, when you have a kidney stone, you know what that feels like. When anyone ever says to me, Brian, will you please pray for me? I have a kidney stone. How many know you want somebody praying for you that had one when they're praying? All right, I think you get the message. When you're a grace killer, here's the second thing you do. You focus on what you're against rather than what you're for. When you're a grace killer, you have this list of, I'm against this, that, this, I don't like that. No, that's crazy. That, oh, they're stupid. That's just, that's when you're a grace killer. That's, that's your wiring. I don't like this, I don't like that. Those people, oh, they're nuts. That's a grace killer. When you're a grace giver, you say, this is what I'm for. You know, GT, our mission is what? Reaching people and growing together in Christ. We have seven values that we're gonna live out that mission. You ought to look at it sometime. I pray over that. We think about that. And, and the last value, we've got seven values, and the last value is this. As we are reaching people and we're growing in Christ, what we value is this. We seek to be known by what we're for, not what we're against. Well, that church is against this, and they're against that, and they've got this. Listen, certainly there are things that are wrong, and certainly things that we take opposition to, but we don't want to be known for our list of what we're against. And personally, we shouldn't do that. We're for people, right? We're for God. We love Berks County. We want to win a world that doesn't know God. We're for, we want to be known for that more than we're against this, that, and the other thing. Jesus, you know, there's, there, in fact, Paul supports this in a verse he says in Philippians 4.8. Let me read it to you. It supports this value. He says to him, now, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So he writes the whole book of Philippians. He said, there's one final thing. He says this, fix your thoughts. If you're a grace killer or a grace giver, I want to tell you where most of it happens right here. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things. Don't think of all the negative things. Think of what's good, and right, and pure, and excellent, and worthy of praise. I wanna tell you, can I just encourage you, church, let's fix our thoughts on the things we can be for. Many Christians see themselves in a war against a sinful world. And certainly there are things in the world that are sinful and there are a lot of negative things in our world, but you're not in a personal war with that. We're never called to be the jury, the judge, and the executioner of that dark world. Do you know that? In fact, God is the judge of that. We're not. Jesus makes that clear. In fact, this week I was reading in Matthew 13, I would, a little homework assignment. I love the parables. And if you've never read it, I'm sure you have, you, go, you turn to Matthew 13, it's the parable of the weeds. And I'll just give you the essence of it. What happens in the parable of the weeds, the, Jesus said, is a story like this. The farmer plants his field, and that evening the enemy comes in, someone that doesn't like him, and plants weeds among his crops. 
And so over time, what happens is the crops come up and the weeds come up and they're growing together. And then the Bible says the servants of that, of that farmer said, look, what should we do? Should we pull out the weeds? And what does the master say? He says, no, don't pull out the weeds. Because he said, if you pull out the weeds, you're gonna rip out the crop. What we're gonna do is we're gonna wait. It's a great parable. It's, it's very seldom preached. I've not heard a lot of sermons on it, but I wanna tell you, it fits into being a grace giver. You let the weeds grow right up with the harvest. And when we take out the harvest, then we're gonna take the weeds and the harvest. We're gonna put the harvest over here. We're gonna put the weeds over there and we're gonna burn those later. Do you get the point, church? A lot of times Christians are when I'm against this and I'm against that and we just ought to rip that out. And what you do in your zeal of legalism is that you're ripping out all the good when you rip out the bad. In fact, I want you to think about this. If you're that grace killer that wants to always purify the church, well, the church is this and there's too much, there's compromise and oh, they, they got a cafe and then, you know, just on and on and on. I wanna tell you what, you're becoming more like those who crucified Jesus than those who really followed him. I'm gonna say that one more time. When you have that grace-killing mentality, you're becoming more like the Pharisees and the Judaizers that wanted to kill Jesus rather than really acting like a follower of Jesus. That's a really big deal. Third thing, they see themselves in battles against other people. When you're a grace killer, when you, and listen, we all have this attitude at times. I'm not saying, oh, these are grace killers and these are grace givers. Hey, there are times when if you're not careful, you can kill grace for other people. What does Ephesians 6.12 say? It says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, listen to this, authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Man, I'm telling you right now, we need to hear that word again. You're not fighting the group you don't like. It's not Republicans fighting Democrats and this group fighting that group and this church believes that and this church doesn't. No, we're not fighting flesh and blood enemies. The Bible says we're wrestling with principalities and power, the unseen world. There's a lot bigger deal going on than we many times wanna make it. People say, well, Brian, you just don't understand. I, I hate the sin, but I don't hate the sinner. I don't know, I've heard that phrase, and I, there's some truth to it, but I wanna tell you this. You know what I found? Hate, many times, is like pulling out the weeds too early. In your zeal to pull out what you hate, you're affecting that sinner who doesn't know Jesus yet. And that's what I think many times happens in the church. We really don't hate the sin and love the sinner. We kinda end up not liking either one of them, and that creates a problem. Grace killers always think they're right. Don't raise your hand if you think you know one. Don't raise your hand. They always think they're right. It's black and white. It's black and white. It's pretty clear. I want to tell you, in life, there is some gray. In the Bible, there's some gray. You read Romans 14. It's all about what do you do when it's gray? What do you do if you're convicted over something and somebody else isn't and the Bible is silent? You know what? We're not only accountable to what this book says, we're accountable to what God speaks to us. There are some things that God may say to Brian Cuck, Brian, for you, that's a sin. For somebody else, it may not be. You say, really, I never thought about that. Yeah, but what happens when you're a grace killer is you think everyone's gotta think like you think. If you think it's wrong, well, then it's wrong. 
Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but the end of it's death. There are some gray things in life and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Now listen, there are some things that are black and white. If the Bible says it's sin, then it really doesn't matter how I feel about it. Are you with me, church? The church has been wrong. When you look down through history, listen, oh, many times, you know, we think, oh, it's the church, then the Bible. No, that's dead wrong. Every, any church that is more important than the Bible, this is wrong. It's when the Bible is the word of God and the church sits here. The church can make a policy or an interpretation that, that's wrong. We've done it, we're human beings. The Bible's never wrong. God's word is never wrong. The final thing, the final thing for us to consider on Grace Killer is that we refuse to forgive others. I think that's the worst thing because now we've received grace we, how many are grateful you've received forgiveness? I, there's not a day I think, God, thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for my salvation. But then why is it so hard to forgive others? Grace killers refuse. You know what? You're either, I want to tell you this. If you're, a, if you're a grace killer, you know what you end up being more than? You become a scorekeeper. You know, you think about it and say, well, let me think about that. Two months ago, you really messed me up. You know, you're keeping score, this, that, this. That's not what giving grace is all about. In fact, here's what it says in the, in the Bible, Ephesians 4. In fact, in, when you get to chapter 4, it gets to verse 30, and here's what it says. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, there is the unpardonable sin of sinning against the Holy Spirit, uh, I'll never forget this little girl. This was years ago. Little girl, a GT kid. She said, Pastor Brian, I, I, I feel so bad. She goes, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. And I said, honey, the very fact that you're concerned about it means you didn't. You understand? But we can grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not an electrical force. He's a person. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. You can grieve, I can grieve the Spirit by the things I do or the things I don't do. And Paul says to the Ephesians, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't put him off. Don't resist those promptings and convictions. And then he goes on in verse 32, says, but instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We've received grace. It's unmerited favor. We received what we didn't, we didn't, we didn't receive what we should have. We deserve judgment. We deserve punishment. How many know what I'm talking about? It was God's grace. God, Jesus, who was perfect and sinless, died for our sins. That's grace. You're not saved by church membership. You're not saved because you bought Girl Scout cookies. You're not saved because you try to be a good person. We're all sinners. We're saved by grace. And God says, now you need to act that way toward each other. Now, it doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean if you've got someone slapping you around or being abusive that you need to sit in that and say, well, I'm a Christian. I, no, I'm not saying that. Jesus made it clear. He's saying, if you can't love and forgive each other, how are you ever gonna love your enemy? Remember the, the countercultural series? We just came out of the Sermon on the Mount. If I can't forgive my spouse, or I can't forgive an uncle, or I can't forgive anyone, how in the world am I ever gonna love my enemy? 
Now, again, that doesn't mean that you've got to sit in a situation. That's where sometimes the church hurts people. They say, well, you've got to stay there. You're a Christian. It's wrong if you do this. No, there are times you need to get out. That's where it's not always black and white. You have to really process and say, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? I know this is what the book says. This is what God is speaking to me. I want to honor you, God, and do the right thing. But I want to tell you something. We need to give grace. We need to forgive. Now, how many are ready to go on to being a grace giver? I'm going to go through these, right? What does it look like when I'm giving grace, all right? It, it's about your attitude. Like even in the Sermon on the Mount, we talk about the Beatitudes. Um, I like to flip it around and say, when you're really living that out, it's more like the attitudes that help you be something. The be, you get that? I, I, you didn't get that. The Beatitudes or the attitudes will help you. Well, I shouldn't have said it. But anyway, when you're a grace giver, there are some things that we need to be. Number one, we need to be compassionate. He says to the Colossians what he said to the Ephesians. Listen to this. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You say, I don't like those kind of clothes. I just want to wear jeans. I want to be angry. I want to be upset. You got to clothe yourself. with. If you're a believer, you don't want to be a hypocrite. You're not a pretender. You're not an actor. He says, put on patience. Put on tender kindness and mercy. Pastor Eric said it last week in his sermon. He talked about the fact that it's, it's an attitude. And then he says in verse 13, this is interesting. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Man, highlight that, you know, underline it. You, listen, if you're married, you know that person has faults. And everyone said, amen. We all have faults. But he says, when you give grace, you're making allowance. Notice that. You're making allowance for each other's faults. You know it's going to happen. You say, well, I don't know what I'd ever do if they did this. Well, just think about what, if you'd, what would you do if it did? Because how can I be a grace giver? You can make allowance that you're married to a human being. You work with a human being. Guess what? They're gonna mess up. We live in a fallen world. And so we make allowance for that. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, and so it's, it's a matter of making allowance, being prepared. It's a matter of really forgiving and then remembering. See, it all starts here. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Secondly, don't compare. We tend to compare ourselves. Now, if we compare ourselves, who do we usually compare ourselves if we want to make ourselves feel better? We usually compare ourselves to somebody who's worse than we are. Well, look at him. I don't go, you think I got problems? Look at him. I don't know if you ever use that in one of your little spats, but that's usually a go-to line. Paul, when he's defending his apostleship in the book of 2 Corinthians, he says this. He says, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. And then he says, how ignorant. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. I, I love that verse. It's kind of like Jesus saying, you're gonna try to take the splinter out of your friend's eye when you got a log jam in your own? Hypocrite? Paul says, how ignorant. I, I, then I read it in the NIV because I use the New Living Translation, but I read a lot of different versions. And here's what, I love it. It's almost like a tongue twister, really. Paul says that same verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. He says, listen, when we measure themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. Say that 10 times. I'm gonna try it. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. 
So when we're comparing and measuring ourselves against other people and saying, God, you know what? I'm not too bad. Look how bad he is. It's almost like the Pharisee. He says, I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I'm not like this lowly tax collector. I'm this wonderful, righteous Pharisee. You know whose prayer God really heard? The guy that said, I'm a sinner, God. I'm nothing before you. I'm poor in spirit. We're always comparing ourselves to somebody else. Listen, we need to compare ourselves to this book because you know what? It doesn't matter what other people think of me. What's gonna matter is the day I stand before a holy God and what God says about you and what he says about me. I'm, I'm convinced this is why many people never receive Jesus. You know how you're gonna get saved is you realize you're a sinner. And many people never acknowledge that they really are a sinner. No, I'm a good person. No, I'm a churchgoer. That's why our value is we're not after churchgoers. We're after fully devoted followers. We're after people that love them. We're after people that wanna grow in Christ. Churchgoers, you know, you say, well, I'm, I'm gonna go to heaven, I'm a churchgoer. That, that doesn't matter. When you stand before a holy God who's gonna judge the living and the dead, he's gonna say, what did you do with my son Jesus? Greg says it all the time. He's probably saying it in Kutztown right now. You can join 25 churches in Berks County and wake up in hell. You gotta receive God's grace. And then, so they don't receive Christ because they never see themselves as a sinner. They're comparing themselves to other people rather than to a God who died for them and so they go into eternity without Christ. Give others grace in those moments you'd like to receive it. Give without expectation. When you're a grace giver, you, you're not looking to get something back. You know, if you give your time, your money, your spiritual gifts, you're just serving someone, you're, you're not in the back. You know, and we have to be careful because we live in a fallen world and there's times we do nice things for people and we offer them grace because we're thinking, hey, I might get something back. That's not what a grace giver does. You're just offering the opportunity, and whether they ever, if they don't know who you are, uh, you know, they just, they, they're just gonna receive whatever you give them, right? The way we're also a grace giver is to extend others the benefit of the doubt. How many have ever heard that phrase? I like that phrase. Give them the benefit of the doubt. If you're a grace killer, you don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. You go the other way and say, well, I'm sure they're against me. They always act like that. You act just like your dad or your mom or your whole family's like that. That's how, that's how a scorekeeper thinks and a grace killer. A grace giver goes, you know, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. That's why Paul says, fix your thoughts on this. That's why Jesus said, this is how we have to think in our mind, in our heart. We gotta give them the benefit of the doubt. So when you don't, you're a grace killer. And then when you speculate and you tell other people what you think, then you're not giving grace, then you're giving gossip. So now it's a two-edged sword. You don't really know. Listen, I never know what someone's motives are. We don't. You know what we can truly say? We don't even know at times what our own motives are. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? So when I'm gonna judge somebody else and say, well, I know why they did that, you're dead wrong. We gotta give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure my kid didn't mean it that way. Now, maybe they did. But I'm just saying, for us as a grace giver, we gotta be wired to say, God, I wanna be patient. I wanna, I, no, there's times you have to take a stand. I'm not saying, well, you know, we talk about when we're raising our kids, I wasn't saying, I never was one of these one, two, three guys. Now I said, stop it. Ben, I said, stop it. One, two, 
two and a half. You know why? Because they're going to wait till two and three quarters. So I'm not talking about being mamsy-pamsy and just never taking a stand, never being strong. But what I'm saying is a grace giver gives people the benefit of the doubt. The last thought that I'll share with this is this. We gotta be willing to take second place. Maybe even third, sometimes fourth place. How many know what I'm talking about? I tell young couples when they get married, listen, you're single now. This is you and God. That's why Paul says you might wanna stay that way. Think about it. Come on, people. If you're married, don't make a move or act like you're reacting to that. You can't say amen to it because your spouse will give you one. But when you're single, it's just you and God. When you get married, it's you, him, and her, or God. It's, you know, you and your spouse and then God. And then you have kids. Then it's you and him and her and that one and that one and that one. And then even a the dog. Or the cat. Or the rabbit or the chicken or whatever it is. You may be eighth on the list. How many know what I'm talking about? God doesn't want us to act like we have to be number one. Romans 12.10, we talked about it in week two. Kramer read the verse, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. I can be second. God's gotta always be first. In fact, nobody in your family should be number one. You say, well, I'm just a family man. I just put my family first. No, if you're a family man, you better put God first. Let your family be second, you be third, fourth, or eighth, then that's fine. Go after the dog, it's no problem. Are you with me? Did someone just bark? I just thought I heard a roof. Wow, that must have been online at home. If you roofed, maybe put it in the chat. Roof, roof. Listen, I, if you're a grace giver, you know when that's really seen? When you're around other people. Our whole staff right now is reading a book on humility. And I said to our staff like a week ago, like as we're reading the book, Andrew Murray, so it's a 1800s, really good book, great read. He talks about the fact that if you really are gonna demonstrate humility, you gotta be around somebody because then you can honor them above yourself. So a good place to learn how to be a grace giver is get married. Have a house full of kids. Get a dog and a cat. Because then you really see what you're made of. I said, I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm a self-made man. And the little kid may say, well, why'd you make yourself like that? Some of you may have missed that, so I wanted to repeat it. Grace is the foundation of our faith. When we receive grace, it's not membership. It's not, it's grace is the foundation of our relationship with God. It's the foundation of communion. It's the foundation of everything. But I'll tell you, when we become a grace giver, it not only becomes a foundation, it becomes fuel. The only way you're gonna love someone or honor someone or be kind to someone is if you've got the fuel of grace in your life. Those who have been forgiven much usually forgive much and they worship much. Grace to me needs to be the fuel that helps GT fulfill our mission. If we're really gonna reach people and grow together in Christ, grace is the fuel of that. Although giving grace isn't easy, and I'm gonna close with these things. Uh, compassion, when you compare, I thought about this, when you compare compassion and grace, compassion is the ability to say, I feel what you feel, man, I, I feel that. 
Like I was going to say, like you don't read instructions, you just jump right in. God, I feel that, man. I do the same thing, right? Grace is the ability to love someone unconditionally. It's different. Combat, compassion says, I see your need, and I'm going to do something about it. That's good. Grace says, I see your sin, and I welcome you anyway. Compassion says, man, I feel your pain. I want to help you. Grace says, I see the pain you've caused yourself and others, but I'm going to love you anyway. I want to tell you right now, I'm just speaking for myself. I think it's harder to be a grace giver than it is compassionate. You see this in Jesus' ministry, his entire ministry. You see grace and law. When, I, when, I, when you read the New Testament and you get to the lady that they caught in adultery, I, two things that always ran through my mind in that is like the law says she should be stoned to death. And my question always was for the Pharisees, like it's just me, if I, they'd say, well, what should we do with her, master? If they'd have been asking me, I'd have said, well, the first thing I do is, where's the guy? All the women should say amen to that. Why just her? Jesus said, if you're without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Even the Pharisees dropped their rocks. He said to her, where are those who condemn you? They're all gone. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But I don't condemn you. The lady with the issue of blood. He's on a march to go raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. There's a girl that's dead. How many would say that's a high priority, that he gets there to raise her from the dead? Yet Jesus stops with the lady with the issue of blood. He says, somebody touch me. And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? The crowd, they're all over. There's no social distancing. They're not even wearing masks, Jesus. That's not in the real Bible. Don't, don't email me. I'm just kidding. What do you mean who touched me? That, you know, who touched you? There's hundreds of people. He said, somebody touched me. I felt virtue. I felt healing power go out of me. He stopped and in mercy, and he says, dear daughter, your faith has made you whole. The Greek word is sozo. Not only are you healed of the issue of blood, but I have healed your sin because you've believed in me. You can go on and on and on. Jesus Christ is the ultimate grace giver. He gave it to the Roman centurion. I've never heard such faith. Just speak the word. Nicodemus, I'm going to your house today. We're gonna have dinner. No one did that. Jesus Christ, the grace giver, does it. We gotta forgive. I read this quote. It said this, refusing to forgive. Listen to this. Refusing to give is like this. Refusing to give is like if this is poison, now think about this. I need a drink so it's fitting in real well. If you refuse to forgive, it's like this is poison and you go like this. And you wait for the other person to die. Refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and then waiting for that person you hate to die. No, you poison yourself when you don't forgive. Yeah, go ahead and tweet that. Put that out there, whatever, social media. That's a good thing. He said, I'm gonna, you work on getting the logjam out of your own eye, then you can help your friend if they need help. 
You know, John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. And then John goes on to say, the one who is full of what? Grace and truth. I know a lot of grace killers that are full of truth. Boy, they know the Bible, and they know what it says in black and white, and I read my Bible. But Jesus was full of truth and grace. I want to challenge you this this year because we're around each other in some cases more than we are normally in family and all that and holidays, even though it's different. Man, can we give love? Can we give honor and hope? Can we give kindness and can we give grace? Can we make allowances for each other? And if you're here or you're watching online, man, I want to tell you, you can't give grace in those moments when you'd like to receive it if you don't know what it feels like. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. It's one of my favorite verses of the Bible. God, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And then Paul says to the Ephesians, listen to this, 2, 8, 9. God saved you by his grace. When you believed, and you you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. You can't say, well, this is why I'm a Christian because I'm just a really good guy and God likes me and so I'm saved. No, salvation is a gift. It's like God says, it's a gift. Grace is a gift. I, you know, I'm not a big movie watcher. I'm just not. I watch sports and whatever. Not to say I never do. You know, years ago, I, the last movie I saw, I'll never forget saying it, I saw Jaws. How many, I know your kids don't know, but ask your mom and dad, they'll tell you. You know, like, but I did watch, years ago, our family watched. We were out at my sister's and we watched Les Miserables. It's a musical and a movie. Either one you watch, it's all about the law and grace. And my favorite part of the whole movie happens right in the beginning. John Valjean, who's probably a good man, but during hard times, he actually steals bread to help another family And you know what happens? The law said, you're in prison. For 19 years, he did hard labor because he stole a piece of bread because the law says that was wrong, you're guilty, get in there. 19 years, hard labor. And the guy that oversaw that was another guy, can't think of his name right now, but he's the guy that's in charge of the law. So he gets out of prison 19 years for stealing a piece of bread. Now he's out, he has no job, he's got these papers that say, I'm a former criminal, no one's gonna give him grace, no one's gonna trust him. He goes to the home of a priest. The priest lets him spend the night. He's wolfing down his food, he hasn't eaten well in all that time. They go to bed, he offers him a place to lay, he's sleeping on a bench, come on in. They put him in a bed, they give him a nice meal. He gets up in the middle of the night and John Valjean goes over. If you've seen the movie, it's great. He takes all their silver. He's eat, actually, while he's eating, he looks at the fork and says, this is gonna come in handy later too. He steals all the guy's silver and then he leaves in the middle of the night. The priest in the movie gets up. He actually punches the priest, knocks him to the ground, and leaves. Well, the cops find Jean Valjean. And they bring him back. And they bring him back to the priest, and they say, do you know this man? He he stole your silver. He said, yeah, I know this man. He goes, "He he didn't steal my silver. I gave it to him. In fact, he said, what's so upsetting, Jean Valjean, you didn't use your head, you, you forgot these. And he brings out two large silver 
golden candle, uh, silver candlesticks, which are far more than the fork or the spoon or the knife. He said, you forgot these. I wanted you to take these too. And John Valjean, you can tell, there wasn't a mask in that movie. You could just see the look in his face like, what are you doing? You know I stole your stuff. No, you forgot to take these. I want to give these to you too. And he puts them in the bag. And then there's this quote, and I wrote it down, and here's what the priest says. Don't forget, don't ever forget, you've promised to be a new man. No longer belong to evil. With this silver, I have bought your soul. I ransomed you back from fear and evil, and now I give you back to God. He said, with this silver, I, yeah, it's mine. I could have kept it and you could have went back to prison. If you got 19 years for bread, think of what you'd have got for this. But I said, no, you forgot it. I want to give it to you as a gift. That changed John Valjean's life. Friends, I want to tell you, if you're watching online, you're listening to this later, it doesn't matter. I want to tell you, we've been bought, we've been ransomed with something far more important than silver. It says in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Jesus, he redeemed us. He bought us not with gold or silver that loses its value, but I have redeemed you with my blood. I want everyone to bow their heads. In this room, if you're watching online, you can just listen. I want you to know this. God has bought your soul. He has ransomed your soul. The question is, are you gonna receive it? Are you gonna keep comparing yourself to other people? Well, I'm not as bad as that person or this person. No, when you stand before God, you're a sinner. And God has done everything to ransom your soul. He died for you on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And you ought to be thankful. If there's anything you thank God for at Thanksgiving, it should be you ought to thank him for his grace because it is a gift. And I wanna tell you, God offers it to you right now. Not church membership, not being a good person, not a Mac card, not giving. It's just giving your life to God. Both here at West Lawn and if you're watching online, I'm gonna pray with you. And I want you to think about this prayer. I want you to reflect on it and just pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I thank you for your grace. I don't deserve it. In many ways, I don't understand it, but God, I receive it. I wanna be your son, I wanna be your daughter. Thank you for your grace. I'm a sinner. Like the song Amazing Grace, I'm a sinner, a wretched soul. God, forgive me. I give my life to you in faith, in belief from my heart. I confess it and I believe it. I'm a sinner, and you're my savior. Help me be a different person all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna say this as I close. I'm not gonna give you a candlestick as a reminder, but what we have for anyone here at West Lawn, you can grab it on your way out. If you're online, uh, you can look at the link below. You can contact, look at our website. Uh, it's first steps. It's you taking that first step, just like John Valjean, after that priest gave him the candlestick, he had to go live a different life. You say, how do I do that? This book will help you do it. You can tell us what God has done for you in your life. And I, I certainly hope you will do that so that we can interact with you. One of our pastors will call you if you leave your number and a way that we can get a hold of you. But uh, what a powerful thing. How many are thankful for God's grace? Let me pray with you one more time and then I'm gonna...
going to hop off stage and we're going to give and wrap up our service. God, thank you today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. God, you are so good to us. And God, my prayer really is that this year, as a church, as Christians, as followers, God, we don't want to be like the Pharisees that are rule keepers and grace killers, God. We want to be true followers of Jesus that have received grace and know how to give grace. So help us to do that, Lord. Help us to give grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a powerful message. Right, church? Pastor Brian, thank you so much for that reminder that we, how many of you are feeling challenged right now to go out and be a grace giver? Right? I know I am. Personally, I feel challenged by that message. We know that this year has been hard, and every single one of us have had to make decisions that when we look back on, hindsight is always 2020, right? No pun intended. Right? It's easy to look back and see the decisions that we've made this year and say, man, I could have done that different. But how many of you know that when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to make some of these decisions? Right? And so that's why grace is important. That's why we need to extend that grace because God gives grace to us. Because we're all sinners. We're never going to get it right all the time. We need his grace. And when you're putting God at the center of it, when you are making decisions and God's at the center, that fills you with his forgiveness and his grace so you can give that to others. I know as a church, we've been so thankful for the grace that you've given us. We've been so thankful for the, the moments where we haven't gotten it right either. But it's hard. And your grace has what has given us, like he said, it's the fuel for us to accomplish the mission of GT Church to reach people and grow together in Christ. And in a season where we just gave thanks on Thursday, we know that we're not called to just give thanks and grace one day a year. Am I right, church? We are called to do that all the time. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, as we get ready to give today, I just wanna remind you that it says to rejoice always to pray continually and to give thanks in everything because that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So as we give today, I want to say from the bottom of our heart at GT Church, thank you for your continued faithful giving because this year, again, has been hard. But because of your giving, of both your time and of your re all your resources, we've been able to accomplish our mission, move it forward, and continue to bring the hope and the light that is in Jesus to others who need it. We cannot be stopped because of your faithful giving. We are so thankful for that today. And so as you get ready to give today, I wanna pray over that, but I wanna say thank you for helping us accomplish our mission. Father God, I thank you so much for everything that we have as individuals, as a community, and as a church. Lord, it is because of everything that you give us that we are able to tell the people we need to tell about the good news of the gospel, the good news and the hope that we have that can be found in you. 
Lord, I pray that as we give today, God, that you bless it, that it be multiplied, that it be used to reach those who need it. Lord, this season is hard. This year has been hard. And this season coming up, Christmas season, can be really hard for a lot of people. And so we thank you for everything that you give us, the grace that you give us, the forgiveness, the kindness, the hope, the patience that you give to us. And fill us, Lord, as believers in Christ so that we can give those things to those around us this year. It is in your faithful name I pray. Amen. So we're going to get ready to go into our Christmas season here at GT Church. And we know that 2020 has been full of so much stress and anxiety and chaos and anger and division. But what if this year could end differently? What if this year we end with simply peace? How many of you want that today? If you want peace, if you're online, write that in the chat. How many of you want peace today? Same. So we are going to start our Christmas season next Sunday with a new series called Simply Peace. And inspired by this series, we actually have a new experience this year for everyone because we know Christmas is going to look a little bit different at church this year. But we didn't want to let it, we didn't want to stop from being the light that the birth of our Savior is for us, right? So we actually, by a partnership with Anna Waltz Landscape Company, by the generous donation of an anonymous donor, and through the hands and volunteers of those of you who helped us a couple Saturdays ago, we'll be kicking off a Simply Peace drive-through light experience starting on December 1st, every night for the month of December at six o'clock, you can drive through, come to the GT Church. How many of you saw that on your way in? Did you see the lights set up in the parking lot? So starting December 1st at six o'clock, anytime you feel like you need hope, anytime you feel like you need to be renewed, I encourage you to just get in your car, come on over here to the church, drive through this incredibly this incredible winter wonderland experience that we have set up for you guys in lights. You'll hear the Christmas story. You can turn your radio to a certain radio station and hear some beautiful Christmas music. And it's our way of, it's our way of lighting up the county. It's our way of expressing what the hope we have is in Jesus, in the birth of our Savior. And in addition to that, I encourage you to stop by on December 18th and 19th, because there are portions of those, of that light experience that are going to come alive. We're going to have live music, we're going to have games, hot chocolate, cookies, and we encourage you to bring your friends, bring your families, save in your car. You can drive through our Christmas party on, Saturday, on Friday and Saturday night. And then for those of you with uh, parents who have kids and students at home, that's an opportunity for you to pick up the, get, the kits that we have for your kids to join us for Jingle Jam on December 20th. So um, can we just pause for a second and talk about kids? Let's um, just give it up for all of you parents in the room and those of you online. Like, let's get, like, I can't, who needs grace right now more than parents, right? They have been working so hard. I cannot imagine what it's like. And so we're thankful for you parents for how hard you're working, 
for taking the time to feed and just give life to your kids. And as your church, we want to support you and help you. So make sure you check out our website, check out our GTSM and our GT Kids social media pages. We have amazing resources for you. So we're going to get ready to dismiss today. We're going to be dismissing the folded chairs first, the balcony from front to back next, and the floor from back to front. And I just want to friendly remind you, if you want to know anything about what we have for the Christmas season, make sure you visit Christmas at GT.com. We literally have everything that you need to know about our Christmas season on that website. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. And as a friendly reminder, as you're leaving today, we ask that you just, um, if you want to talk to your friends and congregate, we ask that you do that outside of the building so we can dismiss quickly. Thank you guys so much for joining us for church today. And don't forget to check out our wisdom, I'm sorry, that's what it used to be called, our growing together segment this Wednesday night. Pastor Brian's going to just expand on his message a little bit more. So if you are hungry for more about how to give grace to others, make sure you join us this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I hope you have a great rest of your week and go out there and be grace givers. Thank you, GT Church.